the main reason were the fans. So the the reality was that the, we were in a bad position, and still the fans were behind the team, behind uh, me, and uh, supporting us all the time. Uh, when we went to the last game against uh, Tottenham, the atmosphere was amazing, singing my name with uh, banners, and so everything was so positive. We won five, one, so. Uh, everybody was happy, apart from the relegation, that was the main thing. No? But, uh, then uh, the fans were crucial in my decision after I met the owner, and the message was uh, quite good too. Uh, the staff, uh, a lot of people here, uh, you can see, you can feel football in the city, the stadium, everything. My family is in England, so I put all these things together, but the main reason were the fans, because they were... From the first day until the last minute, they were supporting me and supporting the team. Alright everyone, this is episode 3 of the 1892 podcast. You're with myself, Dean. Stu can't make it this week, so I'm joined by Tom from at WarYem1892 on Twitter. Hi, alright, hi, thanks for, thanks for having us, hi. No worries, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, Tom, obviously we've had a bit crack beforehand and... And we were always planning to get you on, but we've brought that forward a little bit. And I know um, what you want to talk about is, especially the atmosphere in the ground. Ah, uh, yeah. So we'll come on to that later on. We're just going to touch on it, a few kind of um, s- smaller points to begin with, if that's okay. Aye, sure. We'll dive straight in. So we're obviously kicking off the podcast a little bit later this week um, than what we would normally. Um, but we still want to just give a bit of a nod to the Rotherham result. Ah, yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really positive result with uh, Dwight, Dwight Gill being out. Um, yeah, top scorer. People are going to be worrying where the goals are coming from, but uh, Murphy's stepping up. Yeah. Um, Shelby was back in, and it was good to see that a team had came and man marked Shelby, and we still managed to get a good result against them. Yeah, I think. Um... You've 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 kind of made a really good point there as well about where the goals are going to come from, and and we have, you know, up until this point, uh, this season has relied on the goals um, from Dwight Gale, but it was great to see Murphy. Obviously, Richie got a couple, and, and Perez getting on the score sheet. Yeah, I. I think um, a player as well who particularly got high praise from that game was um, Yedlin as well. Um, yeah, he's, okay. he's, he's great. He's great as a wing back. Yeah. Um, he's 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 dangerous. He's dangerous with with Richie on that right. Yeah, he loves he loves the overlap. He loves the cross. I think he's got a lot to offer, and and kind of the great thing I I, I like about him is that you can see that he's got so much more to offer in in the future as well. Like he's he's got bags of potential, and I, I think he'll only get better. Ah uh, yeah, uh, he's 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 rapid as well. I watched um I watched a clip the other. The other day on Twitter, he beat Lionel Messi from a standing start. Standing start, yeah, I've seen that. Right. Uh, he is right. Just coming on to, the, I suppose, the championship as a general point. Obviously, you know, like you mentioned, it was a positive result, but ultimately it was against Rotherham who were expected to, to, to be picking up three points against. Um, and obviously, as we speak now, we're sitting uh, second in the league at the moment. What what do you what are your thoughts on the chase and pack and and obviously Brighton are above where, um, you know how do you see things sort of panning out for the rest of the season? Who are the people that we need to be, uh, the sorry the teams that we need to be looking out for and and um you know are you, are you confident that we'll do the business and we will go up? 
calm, confident will be promoted. Yeah, um, whether we'll win or not is a different question. Um, but the the ultimate goal is getting promotion. You know, um, winning it to just the cherry on the cake. You know, um, it's Brighton are a fantastic side at the minute. They, they don't look like slowing down. And with Chris Hutton as manager, he's he's built for this league. He's built for he's done it with us. Um, so I don't. I, it's definitely between us and Brighton. Yeah. Um, I would uh, Leeds close the gap to seven points, um, but we're we've got a game in hand on them. Um, other than that, I can't I can't see I can't see the the chasing pack catching us or Brighton unless something goes like catch catastrophically wrong you know I agree I think you know if you look back on some of the results that we've had we've, we've, we've beat those sides that are sort of in and around we're probably excluding Huddersfield but um, you know if you look at the likes of Reading you know we battered them at home and we won 4-1 and um, I think I think we, you know the strength and depth that we've got in comparison to those those clubs that are chasing in behind I, I think there's a, there, there is quite a difference in I'm yeah, exactly. Like we, like we just mentioned there, rather than we've lost our best striker, and yeah. we still managed to find four goals. I wonder what Brighton would look like if they lost Nagard. Yeah. And uh, but but uh, on the whole, I don't see a change in much. You've you've made a good point there, you know, because you know uh, a little bit earlier in the season, you know, with the likes of. Um, Shelby with his ban, you know, there was a lot of panic around, you know, we, we, people were starting to flap in the sense of, you know, are we going to start going backwards? And But that that, that same scenario applies to all of our clubs. You know, they're going to drop points. Some of the players are going to pick up knocks and, and maybe it's more long-term injuries. And that's just how football is. And you've probably, you've probably raised a fair shout there is that, you know, how would Brighton react if they lost Glenn Murray or Knockhart? Um, and certainly like Leeds if they lost uh, the lad Wood up front and stuff like that you know they would be they would be in the same predicament as that we were when we were without Shelby they're no different to us I think I think sort of the panic was setting in a little bit too early and and, and probably a little bit unfairly would you agree? Oh definitely yeah um, you know Newcastle fans are massively guilty for being anxious and and um, very nervy, and you know, um, but you just you you you've, you've got to trust the manager. You got to trust Rafa. He, he knows what he's doing. You know, um, we've got the depth. There's no need to worry. Yeah, just talking about sort of the the depth of the squad. There, I would probably say this week. It, it, it certainly, it's been a case of no news on the transfer front and. We've seen quite a few names linked and a lot of different articles and stuff like that. And um, you know, but what what are your thoughts? Do do we see anybody coming in? Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect to now, given given where we are. Yeah. At the end of the transfer window, I don't necessarily. I care really if Andros Townsend comes back. Um, for me, you know, I, I hope I, I hope I words if he comes back, but he's jumped ship twice in six months. Um, so if we if we go up and have a have a bit of a struggle next season, which I hope we don't, what is he going to try and jump ship again? You know. Yeah, 
I think, um, I think opinions divided on on Townsend, isn't it? Oh, massively, massively. Yeah, a lot. Of, you'd love, you'd love to see him back because he's he was a really good player. He, he nearly single, nearly single handedly kept up. Um, but it's made. It, we've, we went on. We've banged on about this for ages when Pardew was in charge. We want loyalty, and you know the team that tries and stuff like that. He does try, but. You know, the grass wasn't green on Crystal Palace, so he, made, he admitted he made a mistake. Wants to come back. Yeah. You know, not just within a six-month period. What about the lad Barrow as well from Swansea? I've never seen him play. I don't know much about him, but he's highly rated. And uh, from the clips that I'm getting thrown around on Twitter, he's uh, fast as well. Yeah, I think you know what you're saying there as well as I probably don't know too much about him, and, and that's probably Joe Bloggs in terms of the Newcastle fan probably doesn't know a lot about him but I think you know we, what I've seen on, on Twitter certainly is a, a lot of fans jumping the gun and, and saying I'm not that keen on the lad but you can't really make a judgement like that if you've not seen much of him either you know and, and well, exactly everyone everyone you know you're saying, you're saying a striker from Ipswich was it it was Ipswich wasn't it Murphy yeah but you, you know he's, he's, he's coming he's coming and he's made an impact you know I, think, I bet you a lot of people before he got signed were like, you know, question what what his role was going to be. Ah, there's no doubt about it. And I think he's he's well, Murphy certainly has proven that he's got a place in the squad and he and he's he's doing a job when he's relied upon. And um, but I think you know you touched on it earlier. It's a case of you know trusting the manager and trusting Rafa. Exactly. I don't think I don't think a lot of signings we're going to make yeah. are going to be known. Yeah. Because. The way the market's going these days, you know, um, what's it, Patrick Van Arnold from Sunderland, twelve million. Yeah. You know, it's the the market's just inflated, so we're not going to be able to go in straight away and try and buy these really expensive players. Rafa's going to be clever about it. He's going to get young talent, talent where he can see he can see the potential. He's a fantastic manager. He's going to be able to see the potential in those players. Yeah. Which obviously we've we've been linked with the two young lads from Croatia as well, but I think you know ultimately in the in the transfer window, it's a case of a game of chess. I think sometimes and who blinks first, and you know you see a club will be negotiating for a certain player, perhaps the negotiations aren't going well, and then all of a sudden they're linked with somebody else, and sometimes you think, are they just putting another links out there just to try and get a reaction from the other club and. Maybe, maybe uh, it's it can be a bit of a circus, can't it? Sometimes. Well, I was quite surprised seeing the the two Croatian kids. Yeah. From uh, I think it was Zagreb. Um, for tw- twenty five million for both of them as well. That would not smash them with transfer record. Yeah. No? I, 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 that's what I said. That's, we've kind of never did it before, so I would be quite surprised. But um, there was a fella on. Twitter who had mentioned it on our account actually earlier in the week about in terms of topics to discuss and um, the lad was at Phil Dixon 82 and he asked about the transfers and I, I says that we'll touch on it a little bit we've touched on it um, previously as well but I think the sooner the window's over the better and we can just get focused again on, on winning games yeah. you know. Yeah like as, as we speak now Carl Dolo's getting linked with a, with a move away to Chelsea. Yeah. But the figure's being thrown around of eight million, so 
that's obviously going to be laughed away. Yeah, we're not we're not in a position where we need to be taking those offers. So, no, not um, at all. okay, spot on. So, Tom, before episode one, you sent us a tweet, and it was about the atmosphere at the ground and and what can we potentially do to to improve it. So, Stu and myself, we had a chat about it. We debated what could we do to, to like I say, to obviously improve the atmosphere. Um, we got a tweet this week as well from at Joe H eighty ninety two on Twitter, and he mentions the 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 atmosphere on the grounds, probably. It, on occasions, the worst that it's ever been since he's been going, and he's been going for an awful long time. Um, and you know, I, we've obviously had our say, and we wanted to bring you onto the podcast for you to have your say and kind of talk about what it is that you're trying to achieve and stuff. So, um, I want you to kind of just obviously explain, you know, what what your thoughts are on the atmosphere and and kind of what the next steps are in terms of making those improvements. I um. I think the atmosphere is pretty horrific at the minute. Yeah. Um, it's negative. It's, uh, you know, it's only positive when we're hammering teams. You know, there's not a lot of positivity when we're on the back foot. Um, and I think it's just, it's the fan base has been, the culture has just been, you know, just dampened by what's happened in the past with Mike Ashley and, you know, Pardew. Um, it, it's, it's, it's as if, though, the, the stuffing's been knocked out for a little bit, hasn't it? And it has, I. And it's just not a lot of people care anymore. Like, yeah. um, there's a lot of shouting about it and, you know, wanting, wanting the atmosphere to be better and we get, we get like, five to, five to 7,000 away fans who, you know, represent the fans really well. The, 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 really loud all game but when it comes home there's, there's virtually nothing yeah and I think um, that that's one of the the objectives for you as well as to kind of bring the away vibe to the to the home games isn't it yeah it is yeah we, basically we want to we want to um, not exactly carbon copy but um, sort of emulate the some of the older groups that are in Europe yeah um, you know, gathering all the part, like, the fans that want to be vocal in one area, um, and have a a singing section that the club has endorsed. Yeah. So you know, if we have flags going throughout the game, the there can't be any sort of well, look, I, I kind of see sort of thing. Like the club needs to be involved with it because when people get their tickets there um, they need to be made aware of the fact that you know there's impaired vision there's, there's, there's going to be flags going there's going to be you know people at the front um, you know organising the support getting it getting it going you know because um, at the minute there's just nothing there's just in the strawberry corner um, there's a few lads at the top um and it rarely, it rarely transfers anymore like it used to be. I remember back in the day, um, it, the whole of the Gallagher was just booming. Yeah. But now it's, 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 it's hard. You, 
just you know what seems interesting you've got the I watched a, I watched a, um, a video before we start this podcast and it was a Liverpool fan and he spoke about how people leave 30 minutes into the game to go and get a pie Hi. like fat lads <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> <wouldn't they? laughs> um, but you know I'm not denying anyone that food like um, but to me that's just it's just strange um, you're you buying a season ticket and you're leaving at 30 minutes to go and get a pie you're coming back out at half time and then you're leaving at 80 minutes to get the first metro home yeah you know, we're like 10, 10, 10 to 15,000 people leave like within within 80 minutes to 90 minutes. Yeah. Where do they need to be that quick? I think, uh, as you say as well, if anything as well, you've paid that money to watch the game, but in terms exactly. of, you know, there's some games where that extra support near the end of the games can make a difference. And, and you know, if, if we're drawing a game 1-1, one, one, we, we need that support, don't we, to kind of get ourselves over the line? Well, it's showed it, it showed at Norwich. Yeah. People are leaving, you know. People, people, people probably already thought that we weren't even going to get promoted. Yeah. At that point, um, and thousands left and thousands missed that comeback. And look, I, I guess a good way to kind of, you know, nip that one in the bud straight away is look at where we are now and look where Norwich are. They they've had a poor season, haven't they? Exactly. Yeah. And at the time, everyone was talking about them going up and. Sort of as an automatic top two position, weren't they? Ah, uh, yeah. I. Um... You've mentioned something as well about, um, in terms of the supporters. You know, they'll be vocal and and stuff like that when we're winning. And I I, I would agree with you. You know, being at the games this season, I think we can be a little bit sort of a sense of have that mindset of a, a sense of entitlement. And the you know we're in the championship when we're expected to walk over our teams every game. And if, we're, and if we're not, well, we're going to be pissed off about it. And I, I think that's completely wrong. I don't, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't dispute the fact that really on paper, and if we're turning up every week, we, sh- we should be comfortably being promoted this season. I don't doubt that. But the reality is that some weeks it's going to be harder than others. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes supporters can be sort of, you know, forget about actually that they can make a difference. And the whole idea of, you know, the supporter group should be the 12th man for the side and stuff like that. That's, that's should still apply. And, and St. James should, should be a fortress, which, you know, if, if anything, it's been it's been a million miles away from a fortress this season, I would say. I massively. It, it reflects on where performances away from home, where away performances are much better than home performances and that that's mirrored with the, the support Do you think the players feel pressure as well from the supporters in terms of the likes of uh, the likes of Dummett and Kobach who you know continuously get slagged off at the games Massively Massively it's it's horrific the way some some players get trapped like for example Sells having to delete his um, Twitter Yeah you know that's that's just that's just horrific. Yeah. Um, back had a few bad games, and he's you know he might not be, um, he might not be good enough for our team or in our plans for the future. But he's still our player, and when he's on the pitch, he's our player. Exactly. Like in Europe, in Europe, in Europe, when a player has had a, a couple of bad games, the capitals of the of those sections. 
will demand the fans sing and chant that, that player's name. Yeah. So give him a list. As a, as a confidence boost. Yeah. But here, when he's, when he's putting the line up, people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, what's going to happen today? Is he going to give the ball away again? Is he going to cost with the game? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, even Shelby's been absolutely phenomenal this season. And uh, I think it was, I think it was um, the Rotherham game. He got caught in the ball and he got, he got uh, dispossessed. And, um, and honestly, people around me were, you know, what, you know, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and it's just not on. No. Very quick. Especially, especially very quick the, to judge. Yeah, exactly. Especially the way Dummer gets trapped as well. Like, he puts these long balls up because he's he's not the type of player that is going to be up and down the wings overlapping constantly. Yeah. He's not going to be doing that. So he'll put a ball up the wing like a long ball and not especially go anywhere but he'll get loads of stick for it. Yeah. And I think fans in England or louder when they're criticising. Yeah. I, I, I've said that on Twitter myself, that the negative voice is always the loudest. And, and it is, yeah. That, that's, I, I think that sticks with many walks of life. But, you know, going back to Dummett there as well, I, you know, he is very much a different kind of, you know, full-back or, or wing-back, actually, for the likes of Yedlin. Yed, Yedlin's able to get forward and he's got that in his locker and, and Dummett's a defender first. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know things that kind of bring negativity to the surface. I, I guess what I would like to, to probably hear from you as well is what is it that um, you would like to try and do in terms of moving forward to to improve the atmosphere and you know would you like to get to a situation where supporters are calling each other out for the negativity or? Or, you know, or is there something more constructive that can be done? What are your thoughts? No one's, no one's exempt from criticism. Yeah. Um, that's, it's someone's opinion. But when it's, you know, unjust, you know, like just screaming at a player yeah. because you put a, you put a ball out, you know, and there's a, there's this noise that, you can hear in St. James's when when a ball doesn't, you know, a long ball doesn't make it or, you know, Dummett just puts the ball out or something like that. And it's just like a sort of like a, it's a weird sort of, like a weird moan. Yeah. It's like everyone in the Gallagher just going, oh, oh. you know. Um, it's, it, it, it mustn't be, it mustn't be nice. No. You know, I do, it, they're not, just because they're making good money, doesn't mean that they're just going to be absolutely 100% focused and, you know, all guns blazing. If they've got, if they've got thousands of fans behind them giving them stick, they're not going to be, not going to be appreciative of that. They're not going to be 100%. I know that there's a group of years that are working together to try and drown out some of that negativity by bringing some of the the chance back to the forefront? I am um, sure the older lads are bringing a, 
bringing the older chance coming back and that's great to hear um, and there also needs to be new ones you know um, at the minute we've you know if you're here in the corner there's not many there's not many going around and if there is not a lot of people know the words yeah um, and that goes with the fact that there's probably you know 50 people together that want to sing at the back of the corner and then there'll be another 10 people um, in another little in a little spot and there'll be there'll be these little spots all around that people want to sing and stuff like that but it's all disconnected yeah. it needs to all it needs to all connect in one place come together yeah aye and in terms of a, a singing section I, I know that's kind of sort of it's I suppose it's sort of unofficial at the moment and you touched on it earlier about having a sort of a connection with the, the club and stuff like that if if you were to have a singing section, what are your thoughts on where that should be? The centre of the gallery. Yeah. If you look at any, if you look at any older group, successful one, um, around Europe, they're always behind the the goal in the in their cop. You yeah. know, um, look at Dortmund, in their cop. Um, yeah, Warsaw, and yeah. there's the IK Stockholm. You know. There's, there's, you look all over, it's right, right bang behind the goal. Yeah. And if, if the whole of the Gallagher was bouncing around and they've got the flags going, it would look amazing on TV from there as well. I agree. I think it would be a great sight. And, and I think in terms of, you know, touching on the point of, again of being a fortress, I think that that would be intimidating for, for clubs in, in terms of turning up and, and, and walking out of the tunnel and, and seeing that when they look to the right. You know, it does. Yeah, yeah. Teams, if teams want to come out. You want the home team to come out and look at it and go, "I've got this. I've got these behind us." Yeah, cheering me on, you know. And then we want the opposing team to come out and go, you know, well, fuck now, look at that. Yeah, you know. Um, to give with that, to give with that advantage before kickoff. You know. I think you're right, and you know, sometimes you know this this season. What clubs have focused on a little bit is trying to turn turn way around in the first half and stuff like that. But you know, there's a lot of people who go on about the fact that you know managers will be sort of saying you know we need to silence the crowd and stuff like that. But actually, the real the reality of it is, I I wouldn't expect them to have been that worried if they've actually been inside the ground and experienced it. If generally, if we're not sort of one a up before 10 minutes 15 minutes it, it can go quite quiet for a little while can't it yeah it does I yeah it'll, it'll start it'll start in the first five minutes it'll be you know optimistic and it'll be quite loud and then um, you know it gets to it gets to 20 20 minutes and it's just silent yeah um, until something happens really um, What what's been the the sort of it's St James's what's been the, the best atmosphere that you've been in if you can remember um, this is going to be contradictory because it was um, the, the loudest and best atmosphere I've experienced was a negative one and it was it wasn't against our team it wasn't against Newcastle it was against the ref and it was when we were playing Man City uh, when Czech Tewity got his goal disallowed ah uh, yeah I remember that yeah uh, that was that was Really good atmosphere. That was the whole of the gallery that was going. We were having some crap with Joe Hart, winding him up. Um, and it was loud. It was really loud. 
I guess that's a kind of a scenario there where everyone came together, I suppose, as well, was it? Ah, uh, yeah. It was, uh, everyone felt aggrieved by the refs. They all wanted to voice it. And like I said, we're, we're the loudest when we've got something to complain about. Yeah. But other than that, it obviously has to be, in recent you know, in recent times, it has to be um, the Tottenham game last season. Spurs, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I you know, being there as well, obviously relegation was already sealed and, you know, in terms of, that was a great advert for Newcastle United fans, I thought, because, you know, we, we'd suffered that season, we finally had, you know, been bitten in the backside and, and we we were we were going down. Aye. We were obviously fighting for our lives in terms of, not for league status any longer, but in terms of keeping the most important person at the club and, and that's obviously Rafa and Aye. the way that people came together that day and the atmosphere and obviously we played Spurs off the park we battered them um, I was though but where did that go? Well that's I mean, the next question isn't it? How how can it vary from that high level of of positive atmosphere to to kind of the extreme of sometimes being like a pin drop you know? Because a lot of people like to do the bare minimum yeah, like you know that was that was it, it was a sort of um, a false advertisement I'd yeah. say to Rafa yeah. how loud we can be and then he's, he agrees to stay on and within five games we're questioning people are questioning his his uh, tactics and his, his his team yeah you know um it goes on to the point, like we mentioned before as well, the negative voice can always be the loudest. And, and it's true because this isn't a reflection at all on, on all supporters or anything like that at all. Not it's at just all. What we, what, I think what we're trying to, to say here is it's the impact that the minority can actually have in it and it can it can paint an overall negative picture for for everybody else. Yeah. Um, but... You know what? What would be your ask of supporters going forward? What? 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 What would you ask of them in terms of on match days and and what? 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 What a match day is supposed to be about? You know how? How can we we turn this around and um? You know what can supporters do on on on? You know game days to to kind of try and just lift things a little bit. Just just stand if you want to sing, stand up, sing. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? You know, um, I think people do feel embarrassed sometimes, don't they? We do, we do. And, um, there's no need to. Yeah. You know, um, I'd say, um, you know, ter- turning up, uh, treating it as a an event rather than, you know, turning up and supporting your team, shouting them on. You know, if you're turning up and coming in late. Um, and then you know you're going down at 30 minutes for a pie when you're leaving early what's the point yeah you know exactly. like the lad said in that the lad said in that interview he says if you are watching it on the TV and you are pushing for a goal in the 42nd minute you're not going to go and make a cover yeah. you're going to wait until all time so why would you do it in the ground aye you're spot on with that and I I think you know the other thing about those kind of supporters as well is that you know, when we are selling out on occasions at home, somebody else could have had that ticket. Do you know what I mean? And oh, exactly, exactly. I think um, um, there's, like, 
like you mm. like you said as well, it's a case of you know if you want to sing, sing loud and proud regardless of who's around you. And do you know what it is? If you get any stick as well from from those people, it's it's not you that needs to change just because you want to sing. Actually, it's the people around you that need to have a look at themselves and and kind of you know accept that it's part and parcel of going to a football match. Exactly, I. Um, I think with what um, you know the Gallagher Flies have done, they've done a fantastic job of making it visual. Yeah. But as the you know the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you kind of make it drink. Yeah. You know it, we can Gallagher Flies can give you all the tools they want, and we can you know in the future when we if we manage to get our goals. We can, you know, give you all the tools you want, but we kind of, you know, we kind of sing for you. Yeah. You know. No, I I agree, and I think um, I think hopefully, you know, it, you know, it might be it might be small steps to begin with, but hopefully we can just try and build a little bit of momentum, and we respect that. You know, not everyone will want to go and sing it, and you no, know, there'll, there'll be some supporters that you know might just want to come and watch it, and you know, some will analyze the game, and some of them will just be a day out, and it'll be a once in a, a blue moon thing that they'll do. We understand that, but what we're just saying is, is for those supporters who, um, you know, kind of go there often and and you know feel like they're they're not being themselves because they're embarrassed to sing or whatever it is. You know, forget about that and and just go. Actually, go and enjoy yourself. Um, yeah, exactly. But that's why the club needs to to be involved in it because yeah, there's a lot of talk with the restructuring of the stadium, uh, because of the way fans that need to be situated yeah. by the pitch. Whether that's whether where that's going to be, I don't know. Um, but it, it needs to be for everyone, and yeah. at the minute, it's for customers. Yeah. Um. They need to be involved. They need to they need to listen to what the vocal fans want. You know, um, Saint Pauli, for example, they, uh, the supporters group there arranged with the club that they could have a lot of the rooms inside their their stand yeah. to organise the displays, um, just hang out. Really, you know, they can go and hang out and drink and just you know be a community and organised with the stadium that the announcer. From ten minutes, ten minutes before kickoff is completely silent. Yeah. So they can build an atmosphere for when the team comes out. Yeah. I think um, you know, I think like you've touched on some examples throughout this chat, and you know, Newcastle can probably learn quite a bit from from other clubs. And uh, as you you mentioned earlier, it's not about being a carbon copy, but it's about maybe picking up a few good ideas from elsewhere. And you've got to pick the positive points out because yeah. this this by no means this is an excuse to. You know, to to try and be rowdy, trying to be hooligans, and you know, it's not it's not about that. Um, there's a lot of people will say it as yeah. Because um, a lot of, lot of clubs in Europe have that, um, but to to us, anyways, it's not about that. Um, it's about supporting your team. It's about being behind the behind the lads and uh, um, being the twelfth man. Tom, finally, what I wanted to talk about. Um, after having a, a chat about the supporters and such like, was about Rafa. Aye, yeah. You know, we've touched on about how can we make the atmosphere better, um, what can supporters do? And obviously, you know, I, I don't doubt for one moment that the supporters appreciate um, the fact that we've got Rafa as our manager. 
but I'd like to just talk about actually what difference has he made, what has he done for our club, the people in the city, you know, because for me, you know, you know, the main thing is that he's brought a club together, he's brought a city together, and in one respect where sometimes the atmosphere can be negative, generally, as an example, when I'm at work and stuff, we'll always talk about football and people are buzzing about it, um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts whilst you're on the podcast. You know, you know, what what kind of job do you think that he's done? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a big job in comparison to where we came from under Pardew, Carver, and, and McLaren. Would you agree? I massively, yeah. Um, it was a unexpected appointment. Yeah. Um, the name itself was damage limitation. Yeah. Um, you know, with the fans, um, and it's. It's a massive, you know, you know, uh, like a. It's a massive opportunity, isn't it, in terms of making improvements for a manager like that? For a manager like that, he's won the Champions League. Yeah. Um, and he's stepping down in the Championship. He's actually the only. He's actually the only manager in history to win the Champions League, the Europa League, the Club World Cup. In this, the the Super Cup as well. Oh yeah, and he's he's stepping down the the championship. Yeah. Um, but you've got the likes of uh, you know Pep Guardiola. You won't go near a you won't go near a mid table top division team. Yeah. Let alone go to the second division. I think. Um, so it's a massive massive credit to Rafa for doing that. Um, and I think he's just he's brought belief back. You know, he's brought he's brought stability and. Competence. Yes. Like if you look at the, if you look at the um, the managers we've had, um, you know you've got Alan Pardew, who had been sacked from everyone. Every team we played was oh Pardew's going back to his old you know his old club and that. Um, Steve McLaren, who managed to destroy England's hopes of the golden era. Yeah. Um, and then John Carver. His only claim to fame was he knew Bobby Robson, you know. I think for um, me, you've, you've mentioned something there. He's certainly, you know, he, he's brought belief back to the, to the side. And, and you know, I think also there's a, a level of respect there. You know, the, he's, he's dropped Lascelles, he's dropped Shelby. And these, these lads are the lads that have obviously led the side. And those players have handled that well. They've came out, they've said, OK, I'll take it on the chin. And, you know, I think if that had happened under, you know, the likes of Pardew or, you know, Carver or McLaren, I think the reaction would have would have been different. Um, exactly. And those players have went, actually, do you know what it is? I respect Rafa because there's credibility there. And I, I don't think there's been enough credibility with some of the previous managers. Um, and obviously, you know, if, if Rafa's giving them feedback to see actually there's things that you need to improve on you know you, you can bet your bottom dollar that them lads are going back into training um, after the game and, and they'll be doing as much as they possibly can to get back in the team because they want to they want to prove him wrong um, but they know that actually he's right in what he said exactly yeah he's got the he's got the um, the history to prove he's a fantastic manager yeah. and he knows what he's doing um, I'm not I'm not even going to include the Real Madrid because um, he got hounded out of there. He yeah. just wasn't like from the start. Um, the the fans of Real Madrid trying 
horrifically. Um, it, was, it was a funny one, that one, the Real Madrid scenario, because obviously he, he's went over from Napoli and he's not been given two minutes, has he? Exactly. Like, you know, the, the Real Madrid fans, if, if Gareth Bale doesn't score a hat trick every game, he gets his he gets his car attack when he leaves. Yeah. You know? Um so he was with, with the link he had with Valencia as well, he's he's he was gonna get hammed out. Um so but I'm glad he did because he's yeah. Exactly. And I he's think he's loved yeah. He is and you know, there's there's a variety of different impacts that he's had and you know, you touched on it earlier there about the fact that he's he's stayed at our club and you know, I, I think you can tell that he was probably quite emotional after the last game of, of last season as well. And, you know, I think there was a connection and he's, his decision ultimately was very much based on a football decision. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about, you know, anything that you, you see a lot of now in terms of, you know... Uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's the same city, pretty yeah. much. It's, I mean, Liverpool's much bigger, but it's a working class city. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities, and and I've, I just thought it showed the class of the man, you know, um, because he, he could have walked away and went to to, to many of an opportunity, you know. Exactly, um, and the things the things he's done while he's here as well, he's been he's been involved in all sorts of uh, charity events. Yes. Um, grassroots football events. Well, he did uh, that tournament as well for the bands and stuff like that, didn't he? Yeah, he turned up at the uh, at that youth youth uh, tournament, the grassroots thing, and then he went to the West End. Um, academy, the, the football project. And he's, I think he's did his wife donate a load of money. I think to, um, to sick kids as well. They've, they've. I think they've got a record of of being quite supportive with charities and stuff because Rafa um, donated was it ninety six grand as well for um, obviously the Hillsborough disaster and the the work that they've done obviously yeah. on the back of it and stuff like that and. You know, he doesn't go out there and shout about it as well. It's just, I think yeah. it ends up out there because he's he's that he's that well loved by many people. Obviously, these stories kind of get out there. You know, I think I think he understands that football's community. Yes, it's not. Um, I I think you're absolutely right because one of the first things he started talking about was integrating with supporters and getting out there in the community and I, I think well, he's I think he's made a point to prove that actually he's he's went and done that as well exactly yeah exactly but he's brought he's, for, for me as well in terms of from the playing side of things he, he's brought harmony to the squad as well because that's that's not that's not been there for a long time if you look at sort of certainly last year as well with the likes of Sissoko and stuff you can't be telling me that there was harmony within that squad you know, you've, you've got players that weren't putting everything on the line, um, and that's why the likes of Lascelles came and spoke out. You know, and look at yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. A player who was absolutely destroyed in the podium. Yeah. Um, didn't wasn't interested. Um, I remember when we it was it was around the time of the boycott scenario. Um, he. He just he just lost the ball midfield. Didn't just swung his hands round as if it wasn't his fault. Um, what stood with his hands on his hip and watched them score. Yeah. It might be Swansea, I think. Um, but now he's 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 a new player. He's a new signing. Yeah. You know. I think um, you know what. 
the, the thing with Rafa as well is he believes in his methods. You know, he he doesn't really he doesn't really change his stripes for anybody. You know, he's 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 one hundred percent committed to his philosophy, and I think I think that really that that sort of you know that filters into the players because Rafa's got that commitment in what he's trying to achieve, and the players buy into that, and you can see that they're all striving for the same thing. You know, there's, right. there's to, he understands that no one's above the club. Yeah, I think um, as well for me, you know, coming away from the plane, uh, sort of aspect is the circus of Newcastle United has been quiet for quite a while now, um, in terms of you know the board and and Mike Ashley and and the likes and you know where normally that those are the first stories that come out of the club. You know, we've got that kind of um we've got that kind of control on what's going on again and I, I don't doubt for one second that he's had a big part of that as well, you know. Yeah, um Well he said he, he was the condition of him staying was he had full control of the transfers and yeah. recently this month has been a was an article published. Um that was that was uh, suggesting that might actually have took back over. Yeah. Uh, turns out that's not the case. Yeah. Um, I doubt he'd ever. I doubt Mike Ashley would be stupid enough to ever jeopardise that. Because he he came in and he said he wants to run the club like a business to prove that he could. Um, well, he's came out quite a few times as well, hasn't he? Benitez and and spoken about how good his working relationship is with Lee Charney as well, you know, and yeah. and that's just positively here because it, it, it just shows unity in, in, in terms of the, the people that are running the club and I don't think that's always been the case. Aye, yeah. But Aye. It's, it might, might, might actually change though, and I, uh, it, it might be down to the fact that he's been pulled by the government for his company, Sports Direct. I think it might add a sort of a wake-up call um, and he's took a, took a massive back step. From, from being so controlling over Newcastle, wanting the profit, wanting, wanting um, you know, buy for 50 pence, sell for a pound mentality, you know. Yeah. I think there's no doubt that mistakes have been made in the past and you would like to think that perhaps he's, he's learned from them, but I guess only time will tell. Um, I think what, what the big thing for me with, with Benitez is, is that he, what he represents for, is a, a leader of the club. You yeah. know, so, as an example, previous characters, perhaps of the the likes of the the Pardew, the Carver, and the McLarens, it, essentially they've just had the piss taken out of them, you know, and that credibility hasn't existed. But with Benitez, nobody's making fun of them. Nobody's, you know, um, trying to to sort of take the piss out of them and stuff. People take them very seriously, and and you know, I think, and we've got someone who's directing the club towards progress into a, a positive direction you know what he screams for me is um, you know a, a first class leader someone who sets the tone you know he sets the tone from the moment he walks into the training ground and everybody knows what's expected of them they know how to conduct themselves and they know that anything less than 100% is unacceptable and I think exactly. that rings true with supporters as well. And you mentioned it earlier about you know what we want is we're not saying we expect the team to win every single week as such, but um, we we expect a team that kind of tries. And I think you know what what we want is someone 
that we can have a role model of in, in terms of not just the manager but the players and I, I think we're getting to that stage where over the next season or two we, we'll have a club and a team that we can really really truly be proud of uh, he has that sort of um, authority vibe doesn't he yes um, and uh, I remember reading an interview by one of the players and he says that you know you he doesn't. He doesn't take. He doesn't take any shit. He's 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 very to the point, and he's he knows what he wants, and he'll get it, sort of thing. So if he wants a certain thing out of a certain player, he'll get that. Yeah. And he's he's good. He's a good enough manager to do that, and he's battering staff. It's interesting because I think there's similarities to to himself and and Sir Bobby Robson as well in the sense of they're both very much. A, a gentleman. Um, I was going to use the word as like, um, like a sort of a, you know, like a not exactly a father figure kind of thing, but if that makes sense, like Bob, yeah. Sir Bobby, Sir Bobby Robson would have been to the players. I think yeah, he's someone who can put the arm around a player and stuff like that. Uh, I yeah. think what what these guys know is that actually the approach that he needs to take with one player is slightly different for the next lad and the other player. And they know how to actually uh, treat the individual and it's not a case of a one-size-fits-all. You know, and, and these these managers kind of know how to get the best out of people. Yeah. What I was going to mention about sort of the comparison between um, Sir Bobby Robson and, and, and Rafa was, you know, they can kind of, sometimes people can misunderstand them to be a little bit soft. But that's mm. anything but, because Rafa is a gentleman, but very much to the point where actually if you do step out of line, you'll know about it. And yeah. people always made that mistake with Bobby, you know, the, the thought that he was soft and, he, and when he was at the club, the thought that the young lads took the piss out of him and stuff and that wasn't the case. And um, there was a there was an autobiography that I've I seen a snippet of not long ago and it was a, a story on Craig Bellamy. And um, I know the story, I. Aye, and where he had a bit of a kick off and stuff like that, and and basically Bobby Robson just went, look, basically, who do you think you are? And obviously Bellamy was throwing his toys out the pram, and, and Bobby Robson just went, look, I've managed Ronaldo, Romario, you know, all these great players, and he just went, who are you? And um, Bellamy laughed, and I, I think it was was a Kieran Dyer. He was he, he mentioned it in the changing room, and he just went, "Aye, he's got a point, hasn't he?" And that obviously just reined him back in, you know. And um, but in that situation, there Robson made an example of Bellamy as well because that's actually what what he needed. Whereas exactly. he, he wouldn't do he's it got, for maybe somebody else. He's got that. Um, he's got that story about making an example, putting a person back in his place. Um, but he's also got the story of when I think it was Bellamy again I think of where he had a bust up with Carver yeah at the airport and he wrapped his he, you know Bellamy was like oh, I'm, not, I'm not going I'm not going and uh, you know he wrapped his arm Bobby Robson wrapped his arm around Bellamy which is talking away you know how's, how's, how's the family you know all this small talk and, uh, and by the end of the conversation he Bellamy put his head up and I'm on the plane Aye. Take, take your seats on <laughs> you know Aye. so I think you can see Rafa being very much like what he was yeah and I think you know in terms of 
you know, in, in, in certainly in our era, you know, the, the managers that we've been able to, to kind of um, appreciate has been sort of Kevin Keegan, obviously Sir Bobby Robson and, and now Benitez. And I, I just hope that, you know, it long may it continue. You know, yeah. I, I don't want it to be um, a very small chapter of of our history. I, I want them to continue for, for years to come. And um, obviously, you know, in terms of this season, the objective is to be promoted. You know, in a couple of seasons, let's get with stable. Let's get with, you know, getting into the top half of the Premier League. And, you know, in, in, in perhaps in five years' time, let's start talking about Europe again and really challenging and, and pushing to get ourselves put back on the map as a club. Exactly, yeah. Well, we've just missed out on this on this TV deal, so we're starting behind. We're yeah. starting the season behind, you know. But um, you know, all it takes is a few good signings, a few a few really well thought out signings, um, and a great manager like Rafa Benitez, and we're, we're on the way, you know. We're on stability is the main thing for for the next couple of seasons. Um, being stable in the Premiership. Because we've been more fighting relegation for a few years now, and then we end up getting relegated. So, um, but if we if if we're certainly going to achieve that, we've got the right man in place, haven't we? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that'll do. We we've covered quite a bit, and obviously, you know, I, you, I've kind of dropped it on you short notice, Tom. So, thanks very much for coming on. I've I've really enjoyed um having a big crack with you. I know, brother. Thanks for having us. I um, I'm sure I will get you on again in the future as well. I'm more than likely I. Um, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Um, we appreciate it. Um, as I've mentioned before, there's no point in us doing this if you don't listen. So, um, truly, thanks very much. Um, if you enjoyed it, uh, you know, give us a retweet, like it on Twitter. Um, you can follow ourselves um, at eighty ninety two pod, and also you can follow Tom's group um, and the guys that support him at warm eighty ninety two. Um, but interact with us, get involved, um, have a big crack with us, and um, yeah, take it easy. The chance to, to move to, to Newcastle, and I, I don't regret that ever since. I mean, it's such a big club to, to go and play for. I mean, I spoke to Steve McLaren on the phone, and he was, I just liked every, every bit of word he said, and, and literally I just couldn't wait to get up there. And even, even Joe got there through the night, and it took about seven or, seven or eight hours. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, just loved getting up there. Dominic Bailet has uh, tweeted, how does Newcastle compare to the other clubs you play for? It's a, it's a massive club. I mean, in terms of the, the size of it, I put on par with, par with Liverpool. I mean, it's just, it's probably one of the best stadiums that I've gone to, to play every week at. I mean, the fans just, they're, they're great fans. They get behind you. And I mean, you've, you've seen last night what the atmosphere's like and they've, they've just got the flags back as well in the stadium. So, so it's tremendous.